All right. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me actually to two places in the Old Testament. First Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel 17. You can hold your place there and go to Zechariah chapter three. Zechariah, one of the minor prophets close to the New Testament. And we're going to start in Zechariah and then we're going to jump over to first Samuel in a little bit. Well, it is good to be with y'all this evening. Amen. It is a blessing. Surely is. Zechariah chapter three, beginning in verse one. Zechariah three, verse one, it says, then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations. Satan Yes, your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the Lord. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes and turn to Jeshua. He said, see, I have taken your way. I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very uh, solemnly to Jeshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you'll be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest and all you priests. You are symbols of the things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your word. We know that your word uh, is, a, is a treasure chest full of jewels, full of treasures. Lord, I just pray that you help me tonight to continue to, to uh, dig out these, these treasures, these jewels that we can not only uh, uh, pull out, uh, but polish off and apply them to our life, Lord God. Rear them like a, like a precious jewel around our neck or around our, our wrists, Lord God, that we would, Lord God, be so integrated with your word and with your spirit that we would be walking in new life, new freedom, uh, and new clarity of who you are and what it is that you desire for our lives. Holy Spirit, continue to take over, have your way, speak to your people tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. By looking at this passage tonight and also in 1 Samuel 17, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to look a little bit of the life of David. But through this passage tonight, I want to talk to you about different aspects of the call, aspects of the call, the call of, uh, of, of God on each and every one of our lives. Before I go any further, let me ask everyone a question. How many of y'all in here would like to be used by the Lord? How many of y'all would like to be used by God? Okay, awesome. All right. Good deal. I'm in the right place then. Every single one of us in this room has a calling on our lives. It might not be a calling to full-time ministry, but each and every person in here has a call on their life. I want to start out by setting this up by looking at verse 8 again in Zechariah 3. It says, listen to me, O Jeshua, the high priest, and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I'm going to bring my servant the branch. Like, like almost everything else in the Old Testament uh, the priest and the branch were symbols of what was to come. The branch we know is Jesus. Amen. 
his servant, the branch. He was talking about, if you look in your Bible, that the, the branch is, is capitalized. This, he was speaking of Jesus. And we know that in Jesus, as he was looking forward, obviously the priests were real. The priests had real priestly duties, which we're going to look at in a minute. But not only was he given instruction to, to Jeshua and the rest of the high priests, but he said, listen, y'all are a symbol of what's to come. And so the priests being symbols, and he said, uh, the branch, which is Jesus, that was to come. We know us being saved, being born again, being sons and daughters of the Most High God, God in Jesus, that we are royal priests today. Did you know that? First Peter 2.9 makes it clear. He says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. So you see there, God has called us and we are priests today. Amen. So as he said, that was a symbol of what was to come. And Peter shows and fulfills that we are priests today. You know, back then, the priests, there were, there were three major aspects of the priesthood back in the Old Testament. The first one was that the priests represented the people before God, and then they represented God before the people. And also the third aspect was they were to live holy lives. So going back, we're all called Today, we are all high priests, royal priests through Jesus, as we just read in First Peter. So our general calling is the same today as priests. We are to represent the people before God, specifically lost people before God through intercession. Amen. We go before God and as we pray and for our brothers and sisters, whether they be saved or lost, as we go before God as royal priests, we are representing the people before God. If I am praying for my wife, she might not even know something's going on. And I'm like, Lord, I'm here on behalf of Cassie. I'm representing Cassie today, asking you to touch her in Jesus name. I'm acting as the high priest of my home as I pray for her, as I pray for my children, as I lead them into prayer. Amen? So our calling is threefold as well. We are to represent the people before God through intercession. We also represent God to the people, specifically to the lost to lost people as we evangelize. Through evangelism, through being a light, we represent God. To, for a lot of people, they don't know God. They don't know who God is. They've never heard about the Lord. We must be his representation. Amen? The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ, right? Amen? So for people like you ever heard the saying that, you know, your life might be the only Bible that somebody reads. So they might not know any, you talk to them about Zachariah and first Samuel and like, who, what, Zachariah, who, you know, is he from Kankton? Who is that? They, they might not have any idea. We represent God to the people. So our, once again, second thing, the in the new priesthood, in the new Testament, so to speak. And also we are to live holy lives. So once again, you have in first Peter, it says that you, you, Makes it clear that we've been called out of the darkness. We're first of all called out of the darkness to be saved, to be regenerated, to be born again. But Peter makes it clear and shows us also it, we, we've been we've been called out of darkness. It says there to show others the goodness of God. Put that scripture first, Peter, back up, Doug, if you don't mind. We've been called out of darkness. It says, listen, a royal priesthood, God's very possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Amen. That's why we're, that's what we're called to. Does everybody see that? Y'all tracking with me? Okay. I'm going to give you one other scripture and then I'm, I'm going to move on as I set this up. Also, if you look at second Corinthians chapter five, verse 18 in the amplified, I like how it says it in amplified. It says, but all these things are from God 
who through Christ Jesus reconciled us to himself, he received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself. Now listen, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. Do you see that? We have been given, we have been called to the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling people back to Christ. Amen. That is what the Lord has called us to do. Not everyone is called to full-time ministry, but you don't need a ministry to be a minister. Amen. You don't need a ministry, so to speak, a platform, a microphone to be a minister. Come on, Miss Clara. Miss Clara is a great example of that. Miss Clara is always coming to newcomers lunch, bringing new people. Like, how how'd you find out? Oh, Miss Clara. Miss Clara is my spiritual mama. I tell you what, she is an evangelist. She is, she is a priest walking in her priestly duties. Amen. And so, yeah, come on, give it up. Come on, praise God. She has a calling and she understands the calling on her life. So I think I've made it clear that we've all been called, right? From these few scriptures, I think, is everybody clear? I made it clear, not my own opinion, from the word of God, that every one of us, if you are a child of God, you're born again, we have been called. So now let's look at some of these aspects of the call of God. Let's look at, I'm going to give you five tonight, five aspects of the call of the Lord upon your life. Number one, when God calls you, the devil will try to accuse you. When God calls you, the devil will try to accuse you. Let's go back to Zechariah. Let's look at Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Listen, the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against the man of God. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Come on, somebody needs to get a hold of that right there. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Come on, somebody. Keep that up, Doug. Listen, whenever I've heard when I first got saved years ago, sometimes the devil can spot the anointing and the calling on your life before you do. And he sees what's going on. He sees what's happening in the spiritual realm. So he tries to accuse you. He tries, not only, you know, the, the Bible also says in Revelation that the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He comes and whispers and accuses us. But the Bible tells us he even goes to the Lord and accuses us to God himself. But for those of y'all that think that your past can keep you from God using you, you need to hear this. The Lord says, you know what? I reject those accusations against you. So those of y'all that have been getting accused, getting condemned from the enemy, listen to me tonight, everybody. Read this. The Lord rejects it. You maybe have accepted it over your life, but the Lord rejects it. Amen? The Lord is rebuking the devil on your behalf. Come on, somebody. And listen, I love how it says that. He, 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 he rebukes him and he says, this man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. I love that. Come on. So some of y'all have been on fire for the Lord and you've allowed the, the enemy to, to just dwindle your fire. Come on. Don't, don't allow him to anymore. Let the Lord look at you and say, this man, this woman right here is like a burning stick. He's burning up with the Holy Ghost, with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Cause listen, he's already been snatched from the fire of hell, but he's still burning up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't let the enemy accuse you when God calls you. He will try to make you think you're not worthy, but we have been forgiven and made new. Amen. 
Come on, that scripture, the verse right before the one I read in 1 Corinthians is the one that talks about that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. It says, Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the other standing there, take off his filthy clothes and turning to Jeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins and now I am giving you these fine clothes. This is a great picture of being born again right here. You remember we talked about these are all symbols This is a great picture. We used to be in filthy, nasty clothes of sin. But the Lord has taken them away and given us some fine new threads. Amen. He has given us a robe of righteousness. This is a great picture here in this Old Testament passage. Check this out, though. In in the New King James Version, in verse 8 of that scripture, New King James, it says, Hear, O Joshua, Joshua and Jeshua, interchangeable names. Even Jesus, it all means the same name. The high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are wondrous signs. They are wondrous signs. As you look at that word in the Greek, the Greek word, for the, the combined word for wondrous sign is mafet, which is translated miracle. So the Lord is saying, hey, you and your priest buddies, y'all are miracles. Isn't that awesome? And once again, we're symbols, we're miracles as he's foreseeing. We are miracles. You know, I've said this for many, many years. You know, as we believe and pray for miracles and we're praying for all of these that, that, are, that are sick, that have cancer, even those of y'all that I believe the Lord has healed and has touched in your heel tonight, in the heel of your foot. Don't you know, even somebody, I've said it, you've, if you've been here for years, you've heard me say it many, many times. Even somebody getting raised from the dead, I mean, I've never seen that happen. But the greatest miracle that can take place on this planet is someone becoming born again. That's the greatest miracle that can take place. And it's awesome that he says, y'all are wondrous miracles. And then he gives a picture of salvation. Amen. That's Because listen, you can be healed in your feet. You can be healed in your back. You can be healed in your neck. But guess what? If you don't know the Lord, you can be physically healed and die and go to hell. But guess what? If you're born again, your whole eternity changes. For eternity, you're going to live with the Lord forever. And while you're here, like myself and many of you out there, your mindset changes your whole life. You become a new creation. I don't know how I walk down this altar, acting one way, thinking one way, doing certain things. And when I left that altar that night and went home and laid in my bed, I was a different person. That's a miracle. Being born again, amen, is a miracle. And we see it happening in this life and it's going to go on for eternity. So I love how it says that. So don't allow the enemy to accuse you because you are a walking miracle. Amen? You might say, you know, I've I've never seen a miracle. Look in the mirror. You're a miracle. Amen? Listen, there's another great illustration. I'm going to transition. We're going to flip-flop back now. But let's go over real quick. I'm going to set up. If you're in 1 Samuel 17, you could hold your place about the devil accusing. I'm going to spend a little more time on this point. We're going to go through the other ones a little quicker. Um, but we see a great illustration of this. If you're in First Samuel 17, uh, just going to set it up. This is the story of David and Goliath. David, you know, uh, was a young shepherd boy staying back with his father. And his brothers was out on the front lines fighting the, with the army of Israel. We had, most of us, everybody knows about uh, 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 Goliath. This giant Goliath comes out, starts taunting uh, the, the, the children of Israel. And, uh, and, and David's dad would have him go and check on his brothers for him. Go check on your brothers, see how they're doing here and go run and bring him some food too. So one of the times David's dad said, his son, his dad Jesse said, hey, go check on your brothers. Go check out and see what how they're doing and here bring them this little, this, this basket of food. He goes there and he finds out that 
Nobody wants to stand up to this Philistine. Nobody wants to stand up. And I love David's response. David's just like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is, that is, that is taunting and defying our God? Like why? I mean, in our day vernacular, he's probably like, y'all are a bunch of punks, man. Why aren't y'all standing up to this guy? I mean, that's just, you ever read the Bible in like your own language and think about like how it would be? Come on, you, you should. It's, it's, it kind of comes alive a little bit, you know? Uh, I mean, without being inappropriate or anything, obviously. You know, but I just picture that like, he's like, dude, y'all are a bunch of punks. What, y'all are the trained warriors. So David steps up and is like, look, I'm going to go out and fight this Philistine. He starts asking the warriors because the king had promised, listen, if, if somebody takes out this Philistine, I'll give him my daughter and his wife and you ain't got to pay no more taxes. Come on, there'd be, there'd be some giant fighters in here if y'all heard that. You ain't got to pay taxes for the rest of your life. He'd be like, where's the giant at? Let's go. I'll use them same stones in that old sling that David used, right? For some of y'all, the IRS might be the giant, right? But listen, when David says, like, I'm going to do it, starts asking people, his brother catches wind of, like, him asking, what's going to happen if a man goes, takes out this Philistine? Now, let's pick up the story. 1 Samuel 17 and 28 says this. But when David, David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. And he said, what are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few little sheep you're supposed to be carrying? Uh, taking care of. I know about your pride and, and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now? David replied. I was only asking a question. You see, David's brother accused him falsely, then asked him why he wasn't taking care of those few sheep. Just, just go do that little thing you're doing over there. You know, for you, it might be the, the enemy trying to accuse you and, and trying to just, you know, why don't you just, just keep going to church? Wear your Christian t-shirt and your bumper sticker. Maybe, you know, play, play your Christian music at church, at work. Those are all good things. But when you, when you step out in faith and, and, and God's speaking to you, God wants to use you, that's when the enemy would do like, you can't do that. Just, just stay going to church and just be a good little church pew warmer, you know? That's what was happening with David. David was ready to, to step into his calling, as we're going to see in a minute. And his brothers accused him. The enemy might be doing the same for you. See, David's brothers were trying to discourage him from his call, which was to be a warrior and a king. We know that David was one of the greatest warriors in Israel's history. God's calling on your life, listen to me, is to do something great. I mean, a few people got that. God's calling on your life is to do something great. That should excite us. We should be dreaming big. I saw a sign on the way here on the church passing from the hospital to here, and it said, dream big dreams. And I was just thinking, that's good. That resonated with me as I was getting ready to, to present this message. We should be dreaming big dreams. We should be envisioning the calling on our life as something great, not mediocre. Amen. Do you ever think, man, I would love, not in a prideful way, but I would love for God to use me to do something that's never been done before. I don't believe that's a prideful way to dream. If it's, if it's truly sincere and you want God to use you and you want God to do miracles through your life, I don't think that's a bad prayer to pray. Lord, use me to do something that no one else has ever done before so you can get all the glory. And do it in such a way to where, Lord, there's no way I could take glory for it because people can see that there's no, this has to be supernatural. Amen? God's call for your life is great. Amen? And don't let the enemy accuse you or try to get you to settle for just a little mediocre, same old, same old. Dream big. Embrace the great destiny and calling God has in your life. Amen? Number two, you can be called but not yet crowned. 
You can be called, but not yet crowned like David. Let's look at David. See, David was anointed at an early age to be king. But it wasn't until years later that he had the authority to be king. You need to hear that. You can be anointed to do something, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have the authority to do it maybe right now. See, God maybe has put plans and dreams in your heart, but that doesn't mean that you have the authority to do it now. In my own life, I can remember being a young Christian, and I remember where I was sitting, right around where Kinect was at one Sunday morning. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I didn't, I didn't know what God had called me to or anything, but I can remember sitting over there, listening to Pastor Todd preach right here, and I just had the thought pop in my head, man, I could see myself doing that one day. And as I began to serve the Lord and I felt the call of God on my life, I can sense the anointing on my life, but I couldn't just run up to Pastor Tide on a Sunday morning and say, hey, man, I feel the calling and the anointing. I'm ready to preach. Can I, can I get up there next Sunday? It didn't work that way, right? From day one, actually from day one since I was birthed, I believe beyond a shadow of doubt, this is what I was born and created to do. I believe this is part, a big part of my calling is preaching and pastoring and, and whatnot. But you know what? I've been anointed to do that, but I didn't always have the authority to do what I'm doing tonight. Are y'all tracking with me? So you can be called, but not necessarily crowned. David was called at an early age. But listen, there's some factors that, that play into that. And we see this in Zechariah. Go back to Zechariah. If you hold in your place, chapter 3, if not, it'll be on the screen. It says this. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Jeshua and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among those others standing here. You know, in, in this with David, uh, with, with, with Jeshua, the high priest, these are times of testing. You know, God has maybe called you to do something. Maybe you're a younger Christian. Maybe it's got something God's calling you to do later in life, a new season, a new job. I don't know, a new ministry, maybe a new outreach, wherever, maybe in your neighborhood, a Bible study, an outreach. I mean, wherever it may be, you know, but, but God, God wants to test us sometimes to see. And you'd be like, oh, come on, man. Really? God really tests us? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. If you don't believe me, believe the scriptures. Psalm 105, 19. You ever heard of that guy, Joseph? Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Remember Joseph got these big dreams? Remember we were talking about dreaming big? Joseph had a couple of dreams and went to his dad. like, man, I had a dream. Went to his brothers that y'all was all bowing down before me. And they're like, you little twerp, what you talking about? And then he went to his dad and was like, dad, I had another dream. And, and, and you and mom and all of my brothers, they're all bowing down to me. And he's like, dude, you are losing your mind. But we see, if you know the story of Joseph, what happens, he gets sold into slavery by his brother. He gets accused falsely of adultery. All, he gets thrown in prison. He's still using God's gifts, using them, prophesying, interpreting dreams, doing all these things. Two years went by in the prison. Still, you know, God started using him, but nothing that he thought the dream came true. Finally, years later, he becomes second in command in Pharaoh. And guess what happens? His mom, I mean, his dad, his brothers all came and bowed down. And he was second in command. But Psalm makes it clear that the Lord had to test Joseph's character first. I can remember a man of God telling me that when I felt the call of God on my life. And I was like, man, where in the go? I was a leader in the youth ministry. Felt God calling me. Felt I would be the next youth pastor at that time. And it's just like, man, I feel like God's calling me, but I don't know, you know, when it is or how it's going to work and whatever. And he said, well, man, don't worry about that. He said, God wants to test you first. He wants to test your faithfulness. My wife and I just got married. He said, he wants to see if you're going to be faithful to your wife. He wants to see if you can be faithful. Come on, brother. He liked that one. 
He wants to see if you're going to be faithful to your wife, if you're going to be faithful with your finances, faithful serving in the ministry, picking up chairs, setting up, and, you know, cleaning up nachos after, you know, junior high and high school students. Amen? I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it's true. Am I going to be faithful with that to test my character? Say, I don't, I'm, I'm called to be a pastor. I ain't picking up no nacho cheese, you know? You know, he got, God wanted to see how, what my reaction was going to be, how my character would be walking through that. Amen? God wants to, wants to see what's really inside. He knows what's inside, but he wants to see how we walk it out. The Bible makes it clear. I don't know all the theology around it, but the Bible makes it clear. He does test our character. Amen? We know that David had been closely following the Lord. We also know David was a worshiper. He spent a lot of time with God, uh, you know, worshiping and doing the little tasks like tending sheep. We also know that David was a servant. We saw in, well, we see in verse 17 that, um, I'm not going to read it, but in verse 17, uh, in, in 17, 17, 1 Samuel, it says that David was running food to his brothers because his father told him to. He told him, take this basket of grain and this loaf of bread and go give it to your brothers. See, David was obedient to authority and a servant to the front lines before God actually put him on the front lines. Let me say that again. David was a servant to the front lines before God put him on the front lines. So you see, God has a great calling for all of our lives, and I believe God wants to do big, major things in all of us. We got to be willing to serve in the background first. We got to be obedient, once again, and submitted to authority. Uh, and as a part of this testing in this, in this process. I mean, not that God can't use you along the way or in, 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 in other areas. Cause like I said with Joseph, God was using him to interpret dreams in the prison, you know, and even that everywhere he went, it said in Potiphar's house in the, in the dungeon, he had favor and the Potiphar put him over everything in his house and, and whatnot. God is still using, but the ultimate dream and calling that he had on Joseph's life wasn't yet there, but during the testing, God was still using him. Amen. Number three, God will confirm your calling as you walk in it. Now, this is big. Well, man, how do I know what I'm supposed to do? How do, how do I know what God's calling me to do? What's my, as you begin to step out, you might sense, you know, I need to do this. I should be doing this. Just step out in it and, and find out. And it's okay if you're like, man, I feel like God's calling me to do this. And it just, it don't flow with you. Don't feel right. It's all right. But you know what? When you step out and you feel the Lord leading you, you're going to know whenever it is your calling. When it is what God's prompting you to do. Look first Samuel 17, 32 and 33. Going back to David, Philistine. Like I said, he's looking at all his brothers like, man, what's the deal? Why do I want to fight this dude? And he, he says, you know what? He pick up the story. He says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking, listen to this, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bear, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. You see, David understood that he was going to be a warrior. And he, he must have sensed a warrior calling in him. So when he went to the, this, this, this Philistine, he understood, first of all, it wasn't his power. Somebody needs to hear this too. It wasn't his power. He knew it was a supernatural power of the Lord, right? Cause he was only a boy and he was taking out lions and bears, right? And so he, but, but as he took on these lions and bears and he fought them and he conquered these ferocious animals, he began to, to confirm his calling like, man, I feel like I'm going to be, 
a warrior one. I'm going to be on the front lines one day. So when he went to this Philistine, he's like, man, I, I know God's called me to do this because, look, he, he allowed me to do all of this before. Once again, in my own personal life, for me, I mean, there was times, you know, young, when I was younger, early in ministry as a youth pastor, that sometimes I kind of doubt, like, Lord, I feel like I'm failing here. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? But man, God, I'd get up to preach or the Lord would use me to minister at the altar in counseling or something. And I'm just like, man, I know that wasn't me. I remember preaching sometimes and words are coming out of my mouth that I'm like, where am I going with this? And it comes out and it's like, good. I'm like, whoo. Thank you, Lord. And I know it was the Holy Ghost because I'm like, I, I really didn't know where I was going. But but it was the Lord gifting me, anointing me, giving me unction. Every time I'd step down and God moved and did a work in somebody's life, it confirmed that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Are you all tracking with me? Like David, for me, for you, it's going to be the same way. If it's evangelism, I'm sure Miss Clara, that's been confirmed in her, I'm sure, for a while now, right, Miss Clara? You know, for these musicians, as they get up there and sing, you know, y'all want Nathan up here singing. Y'all want Marie. Y'all don't want me singing, I promise you. Listen, I've said it. I know my calling, and it ain't that, right? But, you know, you got to know the more that Nathan and Maria and, and Kenetra as they lead and the musicians, Matt and all these guys, and they play and they lead in worship. I'm sure for them, as they see the glory come down, as they see people engaging in worship, as they've done this early on, I'm sure it confirmed for them that, man, this is what God's called me to do. So the more you walk in your calling, the more it will confirm it in your life. Amen. Number four, then this is awesome. Number four, walking in your calling encourages others to walk in theirs. Walking in your calling encourages others to walk in theirs. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 17. Pick up the story in in, uh, verse 50. So Daniel triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. We know the story. He took the, Saul tried to give him his armor, didn't fit, didn't work. Took up five smooth stones, knocked the Philistine out with the stone, got on him, took out his sword, cut his head off. And, and, and was victorious. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn out all along of Shamram and as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite army returned and plundered the desert, the deserted Philistine camp. Listen, when you walk in your calling, it releases others to do what God has called them to do if they were maybe scared or unsure. You see, none of these guys wanted to fight the Philistines. None of these guys wanted to cross those lines. But when David conquered, when David walked into his calling to be a mighty warrior, that was his first mighty victory of a, of a true warrior of, a, of another man. When he did that, it was like, and, and by that time, you know, the work, so to speak, was done. But you know what? It released it, it, it. Something rose up in those around them. Amen. Something rose up in them like, man, you know what? Let's go. Let's let's take this camp. Let's conquer the enemy. He decided to walk in his calling and it encouraged and released others to do the same. So think about that. You know, it goes back to how people are watching us, you know, and you and, and you never know. Somebody might have the same gifting and the same calling that you do. And as you begin to walk in that and operate in that, that begins to stir something up. Like I said, as I'm sitting there looking like, man, I, I, and I don't, I don't know why I thought that, but man, I can see myself doing that one day. I only have a high school education, Cajun vernacular to the max. I'm like, I'm, I never thought, come on, Nathan, you laughed a little too hard on that one. You know, I, I never, never in a million years would have thought 
I'd be standing in front of people speaking on a regular basis and preaching God's word. You know, but but with Pastor Todd and other leaders, I, the more I'd get around people, the more it stirred it up in me, you know. And they had to sit down with me and train me and help me and all that. And I'm still learning. I'm still growing. We never stop growing and learning. Amen. But when you get around that, and, I'm, and not just the preaching, just the more I'm around Pastor Todd, the more I, I run into things that I'm like, man, I've never dealt with this before. I call him. I meet with him. I'm like, man, how do you deal with this? How did, you know, and it just, and it continues. Like, okay, when I see men of God operating in the same gifting and calling that's on my life, it continues to stir me up. Even though I'm walking in it and believe I'm going to walk in it all my life, it still stirs me up to go. Because listen, that's another thing. You might be walking in it. Listen, I might be talking in a room, maybe a majority, that you feel like, Brandon, I'm walking in my call and this is awesome. This is great. But there's going to be times where we get discouraged. We all get discouraged, right? And so you might get a low point where like I was at and you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel insecure. You feel unsure about the calling. Like, God, is this what I'm really supposed to be doing? But when you get around somebody, you see God working in somebody in the same way. If that thing begins to stir up and you're like, no, I know it. This is it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. That's a good thing. That confirms as well. You're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. Amen. So you're calling, walking in, in what God's called you and divinely, uh, the divine destiny has for your life will stir other people up and release them as well. Amen. And then I'm going to close with, uh, well, this is my last point. Then, I, then I'm going to close. My wife informed me the other week that I closed like three times. So I'm not closing yet. This is my last point. Okay. Then I'll close. It's good though. You see, hey, she helps me. She helps me to grow in my, and in, in what God's called me to do. Number five, it's not too late to walk in your calling. It's never too late. It's not too late. Why do you say that? Well, man, but I, God called me to do something years ago. I don't know that, that anointing might have lifted. That gift might not be there anymore because I didn't use it. Maybe it's the whole, you know, use it or lose it thing. I, I don't know. Well, listen what Romans eleven twenty nine says. For God's gift and his call, listen, could never be withdrawn. You need to get a hold of that. God's gifts. The giftings he's placed inside of us and the calling that he's called you to, it says in my Bible and in your Bible and on that screen, it can never be withdrawn. It's still in you. Those gifts are in you. They may have been lying dormant for years. That call. Now, listen, where God called you to 20 years ago, a certain maybe specific area of that, say, if it's an evangelistic, a prophetic, a, maybe it's hospitality, maybe it's serving the poor, like a man in them go out. They, they serve the poor. They have a gift to do that. They, they help. They have, they, they, they love on people. They have compassion. You know, they might have, you guys might have told you to do something where you were living before. Yeah, that, that ship has sailed. You know, you don't live in Atlanta anymore. You live in Lafayette now, but the calling and the gifting of what God wants to do in you, through you, Two people is still there. So it's never too late. If you're still breathing, if you're still walking around, if you're still sitting here tonight, it's not too late to walk in your calling. Amen? Even if you messed up, if you refuse to do what God's called you to do, if you've disobeyed, if you've been afraid, the calling is still on your life. I want to encourage you tonight to make a decision to carry out your calling. In closing, I'm closing now. Listen, the first and foremost and most important calling each and every one of us has on our life is the call to be born again. Matter of fact, why don't you stand up with me as I close? The first and foremost calling is to be born again. First Timothy 6.12 says, hold tightly 
to the eternal life to which God has called you. How many of y'all know God has called us all to eternal life? That's the greatest and first. You, you, you're not going to know and, and not going to experience the other calling until you accept the calling of salvation, of, of the calling of eternity to be born again. So do me a favor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Because I'm going to go through. I have four, four little things in, that as, as we close out that I want to ask you. Come on, this is always a good time. We want, okay, how can I apply this to my life? What is it? I don't want to just give you information. I'm, I'm trying to give you something that you can take tonight with you and say, okay, where I'm at, where am I in my calling? Have I even walked in my calling? God, we're going to go over all that in these next couple of minutes. So number one, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Brandon, I've never even responded to the call to eternal life. I don't even know if I would spend eternity with the Lord. We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. The Bible said it's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. After that comes judgment. So as people say, I heard a lady say it today, are you ready to meet your maker? If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure I'm ready to, to, to face eternity. I need to get right with God. I need to heed the call of salvation. I want to be forgiven of my sins. If you believe Jesus died for you, made a way. If that's you, just slip up your hands and say, I want to get right tonight. I see you in the back right here, young lady. Anybody else? I see your hand up over here, young man. Praise God. Anyone else? Say, I need to get right. I need to get saved tonight. I need to be born again. Okay, for you two that, that raise your hand, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and paid the price for your sins to be forgiven, I want you to genuinely pray this prayer from your heart. Let's come on the church. We're all going to pray with you. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I thank you for calling me to eternal life. I accept that calling of salvation and forgiveness. Lord Jesus, cleanse me of all my sins. Change my filthy clothes and put on the new clothes of salvation. The robe of righteousness. Now Lord Jesus, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For you too, praise God. Come on, let's give God glory for that. Amen. Amen. Hey, for, for you two that raised your hands, and anyone else, maybe you raised your hand, but you prayed that prayer for the first time, or you, you've coming back to the Lord and said, I need to get right. Please do me a favor. Don't leave before coming down here. I would like to meet you. We want to give you some information. We, this is the first step. We want to help you to continue to walk out the decision that you made to give your life to Christ. So please don't leave before coming down. I'd love to meet you and, and, and pray with you some more as well. So come on, let's ask ourselves now moving forward. If you don't know what your calling is, ask the Lord. He will show you. He's not, listen, we got to get out of the mindset that God's not like dangling a carrot and continues to move it. If if you're asking him, he'll show you. Now, listen, if you've been asking him and you haven't heard anything, maybe you need to start praying a little bit different and asking the Lord, well, Lord, I'm not hearing nothing, so transform me. Make me more like you. Why am I saying that? Because Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. God wants to transform you. Then it says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So if you're not hearing from God, maybe you need some things need to be changed in you. Transform your mind, your thinking, your heart. Begin to pray and ask the Lord to do that. 
Don't let the devil accuse you anymore because of your past issues. If you know you're calling, you want to walk in it, but you've been condemned. The enemy's lying to you, telling you you can't do that because you did this, this, and that. Listen, none of us are qualified. You've all heard it. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Amen? None of us are qualified by the blood of Jesus. He's washed us clean. He's qualified us. And the final thing, continue to follow and serve the Lord no matter what happens or how bad life gets. I've seen people that follow the call. They embrace the call. They begin to walk in it. But then tough times come. Maybe they get sick or a loved one gets sick, a family member. Things don't turn out the right way. Maybe they don't have as much success in the calling that God's told them. Listen, don't quit. Don't give up. Continue on. Listen, I heard this one time. I believe it was the it was either Jeremiah or Isaiah. It was one of those two major prophets. I heard a Bible scholar say they preached for 50 years and nobody turned to the Lord. You think that's discouragement? But they didn't quit. They have a Bible, a, a book named after them in the Bible. Amen. 50 years and nobody turned around. And Israel was hard-hearted. But they followed the call and the gifting in their life. And now we honor them as one of the greatest prophets out there. Amen. Romans 8.28. We know that God causes everything to work together for good. For those who love God and are what? Called according to his purposes. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives, that you're working out even the bad, even the hurt, even the pain, even the, the, the sickness, the illness, the the, 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 the the disappointments of life, the struggles, the discouragements of life. Lord, we know that you are working all this out for our good because, Lord, we love you and you have called us according to your purpose. Lord, I pray, Father, for anyone that doesn't know their calling, their gifting, what you've called them to, that you would reveal that to them. If they if they have trouble healing, you transform their minds, their thinking, their hearts to be more in the likeness of you. Lord, I pray that those that know it would begin to walk in their calling if they haven't. Lord, we know that your gifting and your calling can never be withdrawn. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, stir it up in them that they would, Lord, embrace and begin to walk in the calling that you have for their life. I pray, Lord, a great anointing, a great grace, great power to be poured out upon each and every person in this place. Protect them as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. We love y'all. God bless y'all. If you need prayer for anything, come on down. Those of y'all that raise your hands and pray that made a decision, please come down. I'd love to meet you.